0: Grab your Bibles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we are going to be preaching out of this chapter, Lord willing. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 1, it is always a privilege to be able to preach. It always is a privilege to be able to open God's Word. I just pray that it will be a blessing tonight. So 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, and if we are there, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Ammon and the children of, children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazon Tamar, which is in Gedi and Jehoshaphat feared. And set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. And upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattatiah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude." For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not. Nor be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the Lord will be with you and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and worship, fell before the Lord worshipping the Lord and the Levites and of the children of the Kohathites of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God; so shall ye be established. Believe His prophets; so shall ye prosper." And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude. And behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches and with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of, the, of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, just for the opportunity this evening. I just pray that we would um, understand Your Word, Lord, and that we would hear from You this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever felt a little bit overwhelmed? Maybe. Life happens. We were on vacation a few weeks ago, and we had uh, Rachel and Felix came with us, and we were down by the Chesapeake Chesapeake Bay and we had a chance to go into the water a little bit Felix didn't like the water he, he just didn't we would stick his feet in he'd start putting up his squall but we managed to get him calm down enough we got him see it's, we sat him down on one of us we were sitting on the shore and the water was just flapping up and he was there and he started patting the water a little bit and he was like ah he was starting to calm down we were like yay Felix likes the water And then all of a sudden, one of us wasn't paying attention, and it's the Chesapeake Bay. It's close to the ocean. What do you get? You get waves. And he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, this wave bigger than him came in and washed up. And he was just starting to calm down, just starting to enjoy the water. Right over his face, over his hat, just right in his face. He was done. He wasn't going to go near the water again. I have a feeling that Felix was feeling just a little bit overwhelmed when that wave went over his head. He was like, I'm done with this. I'm getting out of here. He did not enjoy that anymore. But can't life feel that like sometimes we're just getting settled in, everything's going to be okay, and then... Something comes over and completely messes up all our plans, whether it's something that happens at work or whether it's something that happens just with the nature of living in New York City or something that happens in our personal lives. You can be going on and life can be very overwhelming. Circumstances, situations can come up. Trials that come up can be very overwhelming. I have a feeling that the people to who this book was written to, the books of First and Second Chronicles, were feeling a little bit overwhelmed themselves. As we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, it's important not only to understand um, what the individual words are saying. That is most important. But to help us understand the overall context, it's important to know when the book was written. To whom it was written. It gives a little bit of why the writer might have said a couple things like he did. Well, the books of First and Second Chronicles are history of Israel. We have the books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Some of the stories, many of the stories in First and Second Kings are also recorded in First and Second Samuel. Are also recorded in First and Second Chronicles. Why would there be the? Uh, it's not like the Gospels where all four, four guys were writing at the same time. Actually, the books of First and Second Chronicles were written. Towards the end of the kingdom of Israel, they were written after the tribe after the they returned from the seventy year captivity in Babylon. Remember that Ezra Nehemiah they came back from Babylon, came back to Jerusalem. They were trying to rebuild the walls, relearn how even to worship God, and what Nehemiah and Ezra and the priests were doing is they were reteaching the people. People who hadn't been in Jerusalem for generations. People who hadn't um, been around the worship of God. They were being retaught. They were being retrained how they needed to serve God. This wasn't... And they, when they came back to the land, it wasn't a place of great affluence. They weren't, yes, everything is back. We have our king back. Everything is great. They needed to learn a little bit about how they ended up where they had been. How that they ended up and the 70-year captivity, how God had taken them out of the land. And so um, through the prophets, we don't know exactly who wrote First and Second Chronicles. One person may say this, one person may say that, but we know it's Bible. And we know generally when it was written, and it was written to the Jewish people, and it was reminding them, this is, this is why you ended up in Babylon. And if you'll learn from history, if you'll learn more about God, you won't have to end up back there. You can, re, you can continue to serve God here and now. But coming back to the land, do you have a feeling maybe they were just feeling a little bit overwhelmed with what was going on? Maybe life wasn't exactly what they wanted to be. And God is rehearsing history of what he had done in the past so that they could learn and continue to follow God in the future. Now, Jehoshaphat, you just kind of like saying that name, right? Jehoshaphat. Okay, he was a king over Judah. Okay, that was the southern uh, tribe when the kingdom split under Solomon. There was the ten northern tribes and there was the southern tribes. Jehoshaphat's dad was Asa. He had served the Lord, but then he had gotten into trouble when he had gotten his own plans. And Jehoshaphat came on, um, uh, took the throne, and he began to serve um, as the king. And he, the Bible says that he served God, that he sought after God, that he walked in the ways of David, his father. But Jehoshaphat was also one of those kings that we can look at his life and say, man, he, he really made some mistakes in his life. Like when he um, made an allegiance with Ahab and went to war with Ahab. And then he went to war with Ahab's son. And you look at him and say, Jehoshaphat, what are you doing? But that is not... He, he was one of those people, you look at him, one time you look at him like this, Huh? And the other time you look at him, like, wow, he was really serving the Lord, and that's where we find him in Second Chronicles chapter twenty. In the context leading up to that, in Second Chronicles chapter nineteen, he had been sending uh, judges throughout the land of Judah, setting up, saying, "You make sure you judge." In the the towns, you make sure you're judging the law of God. You make sure you're doing things right. You're judging for God, not for man. You serve God. You help the people serve God. And just as everything was going great, the people were being instructed in how to serve God. There was righteous judges in the land teaching the law of God and making sure those who were doing wrong were being punished and those who weren't were not being taken advantage of. When here comes a problem, a big problem. Okay, what was it? Well, it was the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and then the Bible also calls them the children of Mount Seir. Okay, these weren't people coming to say hello to Jehoshaphat. They weren't coming to say hi. The Bible says that they had an army, and they were coming to do battle. With Jehoshaphat. Now, okay, we're gonna look at we're gonna just do this. This is the land of Israel, the the mock up of the empty tomb. We're just gonna do it. Okay, they were coming from down at the bottom. Okay, when Jehoshaphat got the message, they were coming from down here. The Bible says that they were in the in the wilderness there, which is Engedi. Okay? Engedi is already within the borders of Judah. This wasn't a problem with say, hey guys, we heard a rumor, King Jehoshaphat, that the bad guys are coming. We heard a rumor that there's an army coming. No, this was a great multitude, it was a great army, and they were already within the borders of Judah. They were marching on Jerusalem. When an enemy army marched through, they took whatever they wanted. They plundered, they looted, the Geneva Convention hadn't happened yet, okay? How the soldiers got paid is what they took. This was, it was a disaster. It was a huge problem that was coming. Maybe it was refugees pouring into Jerusalem. It doesn't say who, but people are coming to Jerusalem. More than one. It says there came some. That told Jehoshaphat saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee. And they're already coming. In fact, they're already in the borders. Uh, Jehoshaphat... We've got a problem. They've got a bigger army than we do. They, um, they're they coming and they're coming to talk to you. In not a very nice way. They, they want to sit down and explain to you, Jehoshaphat, why you're not king anymore. And why you're leaving. What did Jehoshaphat do? Verse number 3 says, And Jehoshaphat feared. He was afraid. You know what? That's... That's a healthy response to the problem that's coming. He wasn't like, oh boy, we're in trouble now. Okay, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. The Bible says that he feared. That he realized the gravity of the problem. He understood, wait a second, this isn't just something I can lap off. This is a real problem. There, he was scared to death. He was afraid. He knew what this invading army could do to his people. He knew what would happen to his land. And so he is afraid as well as the people in the land with him. There is fear permeating the land. But here's what Jehoshaphat did. How did he handle the fear? There's one thing to be afraid. And there's one thing to let your fear drive you to do something. Okay? You ever see I had the idea or heard of the phrase of someone being just frozen with fear they can 't move they can 't do anything They're, they froze when the time of testing came something happened and they, they just froze that 's not what Jehoshaphat did he feared but the Bible says that he feared and set himself to seek to seek the lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all judah he jehoshaphat set himself to seek after the lord he he conditioned himself he he moved things around he said everything else is going to stop there's a there's a big problem coming it's an overwhelming situation we don't know how to handle it so instead of sitting here trembling about it instead of calling my counselors and saying how are we going to deal with this problem what the Bible says is, is he feared and set himself to seek after God, to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah, the, his, his nation, gathered themselves together for this purpose, to ask help of the Lord and to seek The Lord. They came and this it wasn't the idea of they were just coming and having a prayer meeting. though That's what they were doing. It's this. They were coming and they were seeking after the Lord. And they were seeking for a specific answer. They were seeking after the Lord for something. They were seeking after, God, you're going to have to do something about this. God, we are here. There's a big problem coming. It's here. Um, We don't have much time. And in fact... As we get later into the story, when um, God answers them, you know what they said? They said, "Tomorrow, go face the enemy." They were that close. The army is just down the road, moving towards that area, and so they are there. They're on their face before God. They're praying. They called a fast. That means they stopped whatever they were doing. They came before God and they were seeking after God. With they gathered themselves with a strong purpose. And seeking the Lord for answers to this problem. And Jehoshaphat allowed his fear to drive him to God. As he was standing there and he was praying for his people, he was praying about this problem. This is how he starts out. He says, And said, O Lord, God of our fathers, art not Thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? Heathen, And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? You know what he started with? Jehoshaphat? As he was seeking after God? He's like this. I'm going to remember who God is. I'm going to remember that the person of God is someone who rules over the entire world, not just over this. As we follow Him and serve Him, but God rules even over those who don't serve Him. That God is in control even of those who, um, even of those who are coming against this. It said, "That's what He said." God is in control. God rules, and in your hand there is power and might, so that none is able to thee. He said, "I'm remembering who God." Is and then he said in verse number seven, "Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it, gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, as he was seeking after God, he was saying." Art not thou our God? You're you're not just a god, a god who rules over everything. Yes, you are the God who rules over everything. You are the God of the universe. You are the Creator God. You are the God who is in control of what is going on. You're also our God. You're also our God, who gave us the land that we're living in. You've worked in us, in our lives, in the past. You've given us this land. You drove out the previous inhabitants. It isn't that just you are a God who's in, who rules over everything. You are a God who rules over everything. You are our God and you've worked in our lives. And then he begins to remember the promises of God. And how that, remember Solomon at the temple? How he prayed, and that's what he's referencing here. How he's saying, if that you, um, if God, if my people pray towards his house and seek my name, that I will hear from heaven and answer them. That's what Jehoshaphat is referencing right here. The fact that he was at the temple of God, he was seeking God's name, saying, "I am." You promised that you would hear us. When we stood at this temple and when we prayed to you, asking you to help us, whether whatever the situation was. Verse number 9. If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Jehoshaphat, as he is seeking after God, he's saying, God, I know who you are. God, I know you're that You're our God and that You work. And I know that You've promised to hear us. And God, we have a problem here. And he, in the next verses, he begins to pray and ask God, God, at the end of his prayer, he says, um, verse number 12, O our God, wilt Thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon Thee. God, He brought the situation before the God of heaven. He brought the problem to God. said, we don't have the strength to deal with this. We don't have the power. We don't have the military strength to deal with this army. We don't even have the understanding, the knowledge. We do not know what to do. How many have said that? I just don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat's there. And there's people depending on him. And what he's doing is he's taking it to God and saying, God, you're a God who rules over everything. You are in control. But at this point, we do not know what to do. We're asking for you to take care of this situation because we definitely can't take care of this situation. And we don't even know how to start about it. And then this is very interesting in verse number 13. And all Judah stood... Before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. They stood there and waited for an answer. How many times, I was just, as I was studying for the sermon and trying to prepare, this crossed my mind. How many times have I come before the Lord about something in my life, some situation, some. Overwhelming circumstance, I might say, and I'm praying and asking God about it, and then I get up off my knees and say, "Okay, now how am I going to fix this? How am I going to go about fixing this?" I call um, a friend of mine and say, "Okay, uh, this is an idea. Have I have this? I, I, have you been praying about? It? Yes, I've been praying about it. Now, what am I going to do about it? I didn't see that here. I don't know. Maybe this is uh, just my mind going back and forth in weird ways. But here they were. They prayed." They sought God and then they waited. They stood and waited for God to answer and God did. As they were standing there, as they were waiting for God to answer, there's Pete to the king and all Judah is crowded into the city of Jerusalem, around the temple. They are waiting. They are listening for God. They are seeking. They know that God only can give them the help that they need. And God gives them a message. Fear not. The message comes um, to one of the Levites. Of the sons of Asaph. These were people who were in charge of the music of the temple, actually. And God spoke to him. And gave him a message. Saying, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid. What was Jehoshaphat? He was afraid. Be not afraid. Nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. He wasn't exaggerating the situation. It was a real problem. It was a great multitude. For the battle is not yours but the Lord. Tomorrow, I'm sorry, not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Oh, we have to go against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. We know where they're coming up. He says, "Go against them." Oh, usually when it talks about going against them, that's a military term, saying, "Go find the enemy." But then he hears this: "Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation." Of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. The word, he repeats it twice, fear not, nor be dismayed. The idea of dismayed is this, this striking of awe, or this this totally changing and grabbing your attention and transfixing you, like we talked about being frozen with fear. That's what dismayed is. When the, um, when the soldiers Israeli soldiers saw Goliath, they got, they got dismayed. It kind of blew up in their minds. They, they saw awe of their enemy. We can't, we can't handle that. We can't take care of that. And what the prophet is telling them, what God is telling them is, don't be in awe of the enemy, be in awe of God because God is going to fight for you fear can be healthy but it can also be deadly don't stop being afraid you've you've brought the problem to God and it's God's God says I'm going to take care of this set yourselves stand still and see God Work. After they're they're seeking after God, God, what are we going to do with this situation? God, it's overwhelming. God, there's this great multitude coming. We don't know what to do. We can't handle them. We don't have a big enough army. We don't have, um, we don't have the generals. We don't have whatever to take care of this situation. God comes to them as they're seeking after God. They're not just running around like people with like chickens with their head cut off. They're seeking after God. And here's what God says: Set yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, that's the same phrase that Moses, when he was at the Red Sea, see the salvation of the Lord. You're going to see, and um, remember, this is being written to those who are back in Babylon. I mean, not in Babylon, come back from Babylon. And all these references throughout the passage... In your mind, you're hearing the word, the battle is the Lord's. Didn't David say that when he was facing Goliath? And then we have the, bat, the Red Sea where the whole th- thing opened up. I, I, God put those in there for a purpose and He's saying, he, you know, He's not just working here. He's worked back then and He's worked back then and He's worked back then and He's come through. Stand still and see what God is going to do. Don't be afraid of the enemy now. The battle is God's. But you've got to go out against them. And when all the people, they hear the message of God, God has answered. What do, what do the people do? They, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, and worship, fell before the Lord, worshipping the Lord and they and then also they uh, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. As they heard God speak, they began to worship God. They began to praise God, and they obeyed God. Verse number twenty. And they rose up early in the morning, and went forth into the wilderness of Jehoah. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, O Judah." and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe His prophets. So shall you prosper. He said, believe in God and believe in God's Word. Believe what God has said. Believe in God and you're going to be established. We don't have to worry about the outcome of this battle. Do we want to have success? Believe in God's Word. So in obedience to God, they go to meet an enemy that God has said they're not going to fight, but they're still going to the enemy. They're, they're going to meet them. And as they move towards that massive army, Jehoshaphat challenges them to believe God and believe His word, but they could face and they could face that enemy without fear, because God was with them. That's what the prophet said, God is with you. Don't fear. God is with you. And as they moved towards the enemy, the Bible says that they he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness and at holiness as they went out before the army and to say, "Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever." This wasn't a battle cry. They weren't charging into the battle. They were back from the enemy they were coming towards the enemy but they weren't God had promised them that they weren't going to fight now this is in my mind i like to think of the mili- uh, the, the military part here okay you're marching towards an enemy that you're not going to fight what's the thing you really don't want to do let the enemy see you if you're not planning on fighting them uh, hey, so basically, you know what they were doing when they were started singing? They're like, I, there wasn't five people singing. There was the nation of Israel went out to meet them. And the music began to sound through. They, they said they are by the cliffs. So some, sometimes there's some sort of mountains here and it's echoing back and forth and off of it. They're making a lot of ruckus. They're making a lot of noise. And what is that going to do? That's going to tell the enemy exactly where they are that they can't fight against. But they're praising God. And that's exactly what they need to be doing. So they are praising God. They are marching forward towards the enemy. And verse number 22, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said, Ambushments against the children of Moab, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. As the shouts of praise to God began to ring out, God set some things in motion. At the beginning, what happened? Jehoshaphat set his face to seek after God. As he set his fates to seek after God, and as they set themselves to obey God, when they got to the end, God was there. He set some things in motion. That's what the Bible says. He set ambushments. God moved some things around. He designed the battle in perfect keeping with his word. He had promised them, you're not going to have to fight the battle. God... Remember what Jehoshaphat prayed? Who rules over the kingdoms of the heathen? Who rules over this world? Started pulling some switches behind the curtain. And all of a sudden, this great army that was going to wipe out Judah. It was like, oh, there's the enemy. And they began fighting themselves and nobody survives. It's a massacre. They, they wipe themselves out. Not a single soldier is left alive and all Jehoshaphat and his people have to do is come and gather the spoil. What they thought they were going to take from Judah, all the stuff they thought they were going to steal and they were going to take this and take that, right into Jerusalem. They were, the Bible says that they were three days gathering the spoil. God gave A miraculous victory, did not he? God delivered Jehoshaphat from really an overwhelming situation because he sought God's face and believed and obeyed God's word. If he didn't believe God's word, do you think he was going to be out there singing about it? If you believe God's Word, it's going to have some action attached to it. As he said, "I this is what God has said. Okay, so they march out towards the enemy. God has said we're not going to have to fight. So let's sing about what God has promised He's going to do. They believed God's Word. They obeyed God's Word. And this is one of the very few battles recorded in the Bible where victory was won without a fight. No fighting required to win this battle. But what does it happen? OK, that's great. God won a great victory. God delivered Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel. They were seeking after God. but God and they were seeking after God. God gave them a great victory. God was in complete control, and God still rules. In the world today, despite what it may look like as we happen to look at the newspaper or hear the radio, what's going on, God is still very much in control. And in fact, God often shows His control through allowing trials and problems into our lives. The problem is, we often over allow overwhelming situations to overwhelm us. We often allow what is going on to overcome us. But God has allowed many of these problems. If we Sometimes we get off on our own doing our own thing and that happens. But God sometimes will allow situations so that He can show His authority and rule over this entire world as we turn to Him and seek after His face. When Jehoshaphat set his face to seek God, Very soon after, God would set the ambush that would take care of the situation. We must set ourselves to seek God and allow God to set the situation. Allow God to take care of what's happening when we start seeking after God and we begin, Hey God, you are exactly who you say you are. You, The person of God, the fact that you are in control of everything, the fact that you are my God, that you have worked in the past, the fact that you have promised you are never going to leave me, that you are never going to forsake me, I can take my problems and bring them to you because you are God and where else am I going to bring my problems? So I'm going to bring my problems to God and I'm going to set my I'm going to set myself to seek after God. And then what you simply need to do is obey what God says. Now, God isn't going to speak to a prophet and He isn't going to show up and say, this is exactly what you need to do. God has already spoken through His Word. There's Okay, right? We understand that. We already have the Bible. We don't need some mystical message to show up and say. In this situation, this is what you need to do. In fact, overwhelming situations do not have to be all that overwhelming. When we simply realize who God is. That He's already in control. And that His Word has already spoken. That God rules this world. That's one of the themes of the book of Daniel, of Chronicles. That God is in charge And as you seek God, He will guide you. But you must obey His Word and you must trust His Word. They started singing praises to God. Because they knew that God would give them the victory. God had said something and they believed it. And they simply acted like it was true. And when we set ourselves to seek after God, when we simply say, God, this is the situation. We know, I know in my own strength I can't handle this. I know in my own strength I can't um, figure a way around this, but you are God. I'm going to bring this situation to you. I'm going to set myself to seek you, and I'm going to allow you to take care of the situation. It's amazing what God can do, is it not? As we allow God to take care of what we can't possibly take care of, but we take care of what we can which is seeking after and obeying God. God loves to show Himself mighty. The, the, the fact is, God's power hasn't been limited by the time period that we are in. We think, well, God worked that way in the Old Testament. He's not going to do that. Well, we're fighting different battles. So it's gonna, we're not fighting a literal army that's coming. So God's, pow, God's power might show itself in a little different way today. But it's still very evident. It is still very available when we seek Him and we obey His Word and we allow God, if I can put a little bit of play on words, that God set the situation. God took care of the battle when Jehoshaphat took care of seeking after God and giving it to Him. So, What situation are you in? Have you given it to God? If you have, okay, let's obey God. Let's follow God. Let's let's obey God. The next step. Say, well, I'm still trying to fix it myself. Well, then go back to step one. We got to start giving it back to God and allowing God to take care of the overwhelming situations that life brings. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the fact that You do rule in this world, Lord, that You are in charge. And I just pray that we would trust You with life circumstances, Lord, that we would simply follow You each and every day and set ourselves to seek after You and allow You to take care of the situations. In Jesus' name I pray.